Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dives, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, everybody? Al Sacco here for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And back with us after a week off, Zane Nockby. Zane, welcome back, buddy. Thanks, man. I had a, I had a little bye week, and uh, you know, just to recover, rest and recuperate, and you know, rest these old bones, right? So I'm I'm back and ready to go. Yeah, we we don't want you playing hurt, man. You know, you you got to go out there and and you, you got to rest, so it's all good. So <laughs> finally, 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 this team ends up getting back on the field, and we saw what was really an ugly first preseason game. I mean, there were a lot of good things that happened, I thought, but let's be honest. Overall, it, was, it wasn't a lot of rhythm to the game, especially on offense. Um, 17 penalties that were accepted. I think they had 21 overall. So the game, there's definitely a lot of work to do for this Niners team moving forward. Yeah, and, and it was a sloppy game, but I will say it's, it's always good to get a win. Whether it's preseason or not, it always feels good to be having that first win out of, out of the way. Because if they went winless in the preseason and they and they went zero and four going into the regular season, you definitely know would have known that there's some sort of pressure on Kyle Shanahan to get just get a win of any kind. So, I'm I'm happy about the win. It's preseason. I'm not gonna jump to any con- conclusions about who's gonna make the team and and who's great and who's not. Um, but it was just good to see the team hitting somebody else for once. Yeah, and like you said, it's good to get a win because listen, they're. Wins have been hard to come by the past few years. So to see this team get a W in the preseason did feel kind of good. Like I said, there were some good individual performances. And, and, and we're going to um, recap that game with our guest today, who is um, the owner of NinerFans.com, Ryan Sakamoto. He's a beat writer for the Niners. I'm sure fans are familiar with him. And actually, I don't know if you even know this or not, team, but I actually wrote for Niner fans for, for a couple of years. And um, Ryan was a great guy you know i just i happened to contact him and this was probably two or three years ago really um yeah i kind of just started out and i was working for the web zone and and working for a couple other sites because at the time that i went at one point i wrote for like five different sites because i'm crazy but um yeah and i contacted (laughs) ryan and sent some of my stuff and and yeah he hooked me up and and he let me write for him for i think it was about a year and a half and you know he was great it was great exposure for me he supported me a lot um he's a great guy he does a great job and i'm excited to have him on the show and excited to talk to him about this game. So let's do it. Let's bring on Ryan. And today joining us on No Huddle Podcast, we have the beast writer himself, Ryan Sakamoto. And he's the most jacked writer out there. Friendly dude. If you see him, go up and say what's up. He'll give you a hat. He gave away 67 hats at the open practice a couple of weeks ago. And Ryan, that's got to be a record, right? Yeah, it's a new record. It was really fun to see the fans and uh, engaging with the fans. Um, I'm all about giving back. And it was really, really fun to see. Not just uh, the the fan appreciation was was really really good and the vibe around Levi Stadium as you you know was was crazy it was it was really really nice to see. And Ryan, you're the owner and creator of NinerFans dot com. So how did you kind of end up getting the idea for that? Uh, I just was looking up websites and you know I followed you guys Forty Nine Wisdom for for a lot of years and some of these other blogs that I that I saw out there and I just wanted to kind of just break into the industry and so um long story short you know i was i I guess you can call it kind of like a little diary that i had and i would keep track of my player projections as far as who would get drafted by which team um 
And as far as 49ers games go, are concerned, I would go against the spread and then do the over-under. And uh, once I hit 70% on both, then I knew that, you know, it was something that maybe I can turn into a profession. And so that's what, that's what happened. And that's why I'm, I guess I'm here today. Ryan, getting into some Niners stuff here now, I thought the rookie Solomon Thomas looked really disruptive. Played with such a high motor in, in the first game, and Reuben Foster really looked fast. I mean, Patrick Willis, pre-Navarro Bowman injury fast. What were your takeaways from those two first-round picks in the first preseason game? Very, very, very impressed. As a, as, a, as a player, you can't be more pleased than the play that they had, especially Solomon Thomas. It's not so much the quarterback hurries or the quarterback pressure that he was getting on the Chiefs quarterbacks, but if you take into account that sideline tackle that he made, where he was hot in pursuit, as a coach, you got to love that play. That has to be the play, the one play that stands out about Solomon Thomas, and that just embodies what he's all about, which is heart. You can't coach heart, and Solomon Thomas proved it on that one play. He never gave up play, um, play side. He, he ran backside, made the tackle, and for a defensive lineman to run, what was it, I don't know, 30, 30, 25, 30 yards um, sideline to make that tackle, that, that has to rub coaches the right way and they have to be very pleased with that as far as Ruben Foster's concerned <clears throat> he had a great game too I know the coaches are kind of downplaying it but he really did he didn't have any rookie mental errors I know coach Sala said that there's some things he needs to work on but let's be honest he's going to start week one anyway so I think Robert Sala just doesn't want to get it get Ruben Foster's head too big you know where it's like oh you're the position jersey already of course he wants to create competition as as you know the motto is iron sharpens iron but at the end of the day, it's Reuben Foster's job to lose, and he will win that job and will be a force to be reckoned with in 2017. And Ryan, another thing the coaches must have been pleased with was the number two QB competition. And it, it really looks like it's a real thing. Um, Barkley made some good throws, and Beathard rebounded pretty well after a tough couple of series at the beginning. And Kyle Shanahan mentioned on his conference call that he wanted to get um, C.J. Beathard in earlier next game. Who do you think wins this competition in your eyes? I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Matt Barkley. I just think as a new coach coming in, you want someone who understands the system because the quarterback position as a rookie is the hardest position to learn. And TJ Beathard's not going up against ones or twos. He's going up against threes. So that's why you hear Kyle Shanahan wanting him to get in earlier in the game, maybe to see how he looks against the twos. And if he struggles, then what? So you're, as a new coach, I would think that Kyle Shanahan would eventually want T.J. Beathard to beat win the backup job. But right now, I think it's Matt Barkley's and Matt, Barkley, Matt Barkley's alone. Ryan, any way you slice it, the game was pretty ugly for the Niners. They had 17 penalties. <laughs> there wasn't much of a flaw. I mean, they had some good things coming out of it, but, but it was, let's be honest, it was kind of an ugly game. There wasn't a lot of rhythm. Do you think this was just an isolated incident, or should there be some concern about the penalties and sort of lack of discipline that we saw? I think anytime you, you start your first preseason game off, we can always criticize it, but it's one preseason game, and it's the first preseason game, so you're going to have mental errors. Now, what we saw was a lot of false start penalties in practice. That's something that I've been keeping my eye on. There's a lot of false start penalties on the offensive line, so that needs to get cleaned up, and that showed up on the game, in the games. But at the end of the day, I think let's not get too ahead of ourselves. It's only one game. Let's see how the rest of the preseason plays out before making that assumption that this team is undisciplined. And Ryan, with all the injuries in the secondary and corner depth and issue, do you think Jimmy Ward might actually move back to corner and 
that kind of opens up the, the window for Lorenzo Jerome to take over at free safety at some point this season? That could be a very possibility, although I believe that Salah believes that Ward's true fit is a natural free safety. I think he really wants him to be the free safety. And whether or not Ward can stay healthy is another another issue that we have to discuss later on. But if Ward is healthy enough to start week one, he's going to get the free safety look. I don't see the team rolling with Ward at going back to cornerback and then having to go back to free safety just because there's a shortage on cornerback. Now, Dante Johnson is probably going to win that job, but we don't know where he's at injury-wise. He was in the blue uh, shirt today, non-contact jersey today, so he was practicing out there, but he was in the blue non-contact jersey. So at the end of the day, I think day week one, it's going to be DJ, which is Dante Johnson on one side and Rashad Robinson on the other. And the free safety, yeah, Lorenzo Jerome is having a good camp, but I don't think he's nowhere near the talent level of Jimmy Ward. Ryan, one of the things that surprised me, and not that it happened because I know he wasn't getting a, a lot of playing time with the ones, but the, the Jeremy Zuda cut surprised me in the sense that they traded for him. He was a pro bowler last year, and then all of a sudden, he just never really made an impact. What do you think happened there? Was it injuries? Was he just not a good fit? Was he just done at 31 years old? What happened there? I was pretty shocked as well. If anything, this offensive line can use a player like Jeremy Zuda. Right. If you think about it, there's oh, absolutely. You can even if he was a center and he was getting outplayed by Daniel Kilgore, you can switch him into guard, convert him to guard, let him play guard, let him be a swing guard. Because at the end of the day, it's easier for offensive linemen to move from the outside in instead of the inside out. So a guard center to me that's interchangeable because you're going to have help behind you, you're going to have help on the left and right of you, and Jeremy Zuda the center position is very smart. So he makes line calls. So if he knows and understands the offense very well, then it should be a seamless transition moving the guard. That's responsibility and you know your assignment. So it was a shocking cut in my eyes because I felt like Jeremy Zuda could have helped this team immensely, especially solidifying that depth chart. Do you see any more surprise cuts maybe coming up that, that maybe aren't on anybody's radar right now? Man, uh, surprise cuts? Uh, I don't know about surprise cuts. Everyone probably has a good idea of who's going to get cut. Vance McDonald, I can see getting cut. That's it. I don't know if you want to call that a surprise cut because he was on the trading block. Mm-hmm. Um, DeAndre Smelter, I don't see making the team. Aaron Burbridge is another possibility. I don't see him making the team, especially with um, Bourne having the preseason debut. He's having that continues to do well and shows that he can show up on special teams. I think he makes the team over those two because Aaron Burbridge, let's face it, he's a bulky holdover. And if you look at the trends, they're kind of wiping out the bulky guys. They're kind of having their new guys brought in. So it's a new regime, new team, new culture, and I think they want a fresh start. And if it became between Bourne and Burbridge, I think they're going to keep Bourne. And Ryan, in the game against Kansas City this past weekend, the the rookie running backs, and even Raheem Mostert as well, they, they all looked really good. What's your takeaway from the running back position group? Yeah, very, very, very competitive. Carlos Hyde, obviously, is going to be this day one starter. But then the backup position is where you're going to see a lot, a lot of competition. And that's going to be Joe Williams. I think Joe Williams and Tim Hightower, I think those are two, the two guys that you need to look forward to because Joe Williams, man, that guy looked really, really quick. And he has the vision to fit this scheme. What this scheme wants is you need to have vision. Not so much the speed. Everyone talks about how speed kills in the NFL, and it does. but 
under Kyle Shanahan's scheme, you need, to, you need to have elite vision to see the running lanes, to kind of see the hole and hit the hole on those outside zone stretch runs. And that's what you saw with Joe Williams. And if Joe Williams can continue to provide the vision that he's been accustomed to back in college and now transitioning to the NFL, he might be the steal of the draft outside of Reuben Foster if he puts it all together. So time will tell uh, how that plays out. And as far as Matt Breida is concerned, you know me and you talked about Matt Breida. That guy is a stud as well. So it's, it's, it's a competition, and, and there's no guarantee on who's going to be the backup. But right now I think it's Hightower's job to lose. I think Joe Williams will definitely crack the 53-man roster, and Matt Breida will have to see where he fits into, the, into that offense as well. But it's hard to keep a lot, all those running backs, but at some point, um, they may have to do that because Matt Breida may be too good to keep up that 53. Yeah, it's it's a really it's going to be a really competitive uh, fight all the way through camp, and they all they all showed out. They all look good. Um, each one of them showed a burst. Hyde only he didn't he didn't really get the ball much. He only had two carries and didn't get any yards. But they know what they're getting from him. So I'm I'm super super excited about the running back group. Yeah, absolutely. So, I am too. It's, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Now, whoever stands out, it's going to come to pass pro. You know, can, how they do in pass protection, how do how they do in the passing game, because that's a big part of the West Coast offense as well. So Joe Williams, Matt Breida, if they can prove that they can catch out of the backfield and do it consistently, then that should do wonders to their chances of making the roster. Great stuff, Ryan. Great stuff. All right. Well, I just want to thank you for joining us, Ryan. Um, you can follow Ryan at Beast Rider on Twitter. His uh, Twitter link will be in the description as well. And uh, thanks so much for coming on, Ryan. Hey, thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate it, buddy. And once again, thanks to Ryan Sakamoto for for joining us. And Al, he's he's one of the good guys in the industry, and he's uh, he's a guy that I got a chance to uh, extensively hang out with on the open practice day, and we were just you know s- sitting and chatting on the sidelines for for a while. And and he's just a really good dude. He's a really nice guy. And and we did the Facebook Live thing after the open practice, and he was he was willing to do it, and he was excited about it, and he enjoyed it, and you know, it's, it's really, really nice to see that in, in the media. Yeah, he is a good dude and, and he does give back to the fans a lot. And if, if you even, if you follow NinerFans.com on Facebook, you see he has over 200,000 people that like the page and um, he's very interactive with people and, and he really takes time out to talk to the fans and, and bring the fans in and everything. He's, he's, he's a great guy. And like I said, you know, I, he, he really helped me out when I first started writing, um, and I was running for a few sites. He, he, he gave me an opportunity to write for his site, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful to him for that. So, but moving forward now to next week and, and kind of incorporating some of the things that we saw from last week with the Niners too. And the thing I keep going back to, and again, I, I don't think it's a big deal because it was a first preseason game. It's new coaching staff. You're going to get penalties. You're going to get sloppy play. But what I want to see moving forward from this team is a little bit more rhythm on offense. And you can't really say anything about the first team because they weren't they weren't on the field enough to really make any judgments. I think Hoyer was one out of three or something like that. And you can't make a big deal out of that. He did have a good throw to Jeremy Curley that got, that got called back. But after that, there was a lot of what I thought rough play on the offense. And until Bethard really took over um, in the second half there, there was a time where I believe Niners quarterbacks were like 13. 13 out of 26 or something like that. And if you take out those two big plays from Eldrick Robinson, 
the numbers didn't look very good. So I'd like to see a little bit more rhythm. Now, what's interesting is Kyle Shanahan said on his conference call that he wanted to get Beathard in a little bit earlier. And I know Ryan mentioned he thinks Barkley wins the um, backup QB job. I'm not so sure. I, I really believe if, if Beathard keeps pushing the envelope and he shows that he can be a reliable backup, I don't think they're going to keep Barkley because if you look at other positions on this team, there are other guys that they can keep. There's other position groups where you want to keep some of these guys in. Somebody like a Victor Bolden, somebody like um, Bourne at receiver who was playing really well. There's other positions where maybe you want to keep people, and if Beathard steps up, quarterback's a place where you can find that extra spot. Yeah, and it's this this whole QB two battle is it's really interesting because you get you have two guys, two really young guys, and and Barkley and Beathard that uh, they almost look like they're on even ground. And when I was at the open practice a couple of weeks ago, and and throughout the the subsequent practices after that. They've been really even. Neither guy has really been able to distinguish himself in that battle. But you have to think that C.J. Beathard has the advantage just because of the fact that Kyle Shanahan handpicked him. Now, it's possible they they could stash him on the practice squad and nobody picks him up, but you do leave him open for somebody else stealing him off your practice squad, much like Jeff Driscoll a couple years ago was stolen from the practice squad of the 49ers and ended up on the Bengals. So... I, I liked what I saw from both of them. CJ CJ had a little bit better night than than Matt Barkley did, but I really think that if they can show it against guys that aren't like threes and fours and and potential practice squad guys, I think that's kind of the telling thing because in this league you you need more than one quarterback. You need like a a, a starter, obviously, who's a franchise quarterback, but you also need a veteran backup or a backup who's capable to step in and and win a couple games for you if needed. So. The fact that C.J. Beathard came out of a pro-style system at uh, at Iowa, it, it's kind of telling because Kyle Shanahan really wants guys that are ready to step in and play. Like he's not he's not a gimmicky quarterback, and I think that because of that, his numbers suffered a little bit at Iowa, and because he wasn't in a in a, a pass-friendly offense per se. So uh, the, the reason why he's he's here is because oh he doesn't require anything like they did with Kaepernick where they had to make him a pocket passer and all that stuff. So I, I'm needless to say, I'm, I'm really excited about, about this and several other competitions as well. Bathard to me, the biggest thing that, that stood out in that first game was how tough he is in the pocket, how he hangs in the pocket in a couple times. Yeah. He, he did probably wait, hold on to the ball too long, but I mean, he's a rookies in this first game. That's going to happen. But if you watch Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck's eyes are always downfield and he mm-hmm. hangs in the pocket and he moves if he's moving laterally or forward or whatever. His eyes are always downfield. And, and Beathard kind of showed me that. I'm not comparing him to Andrew Luck. I'm just saying in, in terms of keeping his eyes pinned downfield and, and hanging in the pocket, it was really impressive. And you can see why why Shanahan likes his toughness. And, and listen, I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know if he's going to end up being a starter or I think he could certainly be a capable backup. But after the first game, I, I was... I would have signed up for that if you told me after the first game. That's that's what he would have done. His numbers were good. Uh, I think it was seven out of eleven for a little over hundred yards and two scores. But just the toughness, hanging in the pocket, what he showed, it, it was really impressive. Now, the running backs we mentioned this earlier too were also really impressive to me. I thought Brita, although his final numbers weren't didn't jump out out at the page, eleven carries, forty yards. But Joe Williams did seven carries, sixty yards, and, and he got a. Uh, put Mostert in there too, who had 89 yards on 15 carries, but the running backs look good and that running game looked good. And again, I know we're talking about twos and threes, but listen, what else can Williams and Brita do there? They have to play against the guys they're out there against. And, and I thought they did really well in, in that bodes. Well, I know we still need to see Tim Hightower out there, but 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if those two rookies, Williams and, and, and Breida, end up making well, – Williams will make the team, but if Breida makes the team too, and, and those guys get some playing time this year. Yeah, there is a there's a lot of questions around specifically Joe Williams because uh, of the fact that he had to take a leave from from Utah when he was playing there in college because of a personal issue and his commitment to football and and is he strong enough in the lower body and and can his speed translate when they put pads on and he took he took his first two carries for 15 yards each and each every both of those times he looked like he was shot out of a cannon like he looks he hit the hole so quick and he was and he was gone and he almost broke one for a touchdown the second carry almost broke for a touchdown took it down within the red zone so everybody was so curious to see what they would get out of Joe Williams and i think that now that he's having a chance to kind of show people and showcase his skills uh, he's he's going to be one of those guys like uh, look this is basically going to be the Atlanta Falcons offense of last year and they had two running backs they had Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman who could both run catch and block and that's basically what Kyle Shanahan wants out of this current group too. He wants all of his running backs to be able to run, catch, and block and to have two guys specifically that he can have on the field, A, either at one time, or B, to be able to sub in for each other quite frequently. So Joe Williams, I think he's, I think he's, he, I won't say that he's a lock to make the roster because he's only played one game, but he, he really gave his, himself a shot in the arm to make this team. Now, Matt Breida is one of those guys that, uh, you know, when I was again at the open practice, uh, he took his first carry to the house. It was, it was, I believe, a, a 60 yard run that he took to the house. And he hit the hole really fast and, and really quick. He was decisive about it. The only thing with him is that he's, he's kind of a little guy. And I wonder if he can, he can hold up to the rigors of, of playing in the NFL season, but the guy can fly. You know, he ran a sub four, 340. So the guy is, is, is unbelievably fast. And, Maybe they keep him on the practice squad and they can activate him when they need kick returners and things like that. But I think that, I think you're right. I think both of these guys make the team somehow. Uh, I think Joe Williams makes the 53 and I think Matt Breda will at least make the practice squad. Now, another, another position that I really want to see how they utilize against Denver is the receiver position. Cause like I said, in, until the end there, I, I did not see a lot of rhythm in the, in the passing offense where you're seeing completion after completion and that sort of thing. The one guy that did strict, stick out um was Kendrick Bourne and he had four catches for 88 yards and in a touchdown in Shanahan on the conference call while he complimented his hands and in his play he was also very quick to say after his listen this guy's behind he missed the off the off season because of uh, school commitments and Shanahan made it a point to say yes I like his game but he's behind so while Bourne looked really good on the field I know that there was some times in, in camp where he was messing up on his routes and that sort of thing and I want to see how these receivers sort of play out. Now, I thought Trent Taylor did really well for his first game. Eldrick Robinson obviously had a, had a really good game when he was in there. And we know Goodwin and, and Garcon and Curley are going to be there in the top three. But how do those bottom three play out in that six wide receiver position? And I do believe they're going to keep six receivers. And I know Burbage is hurt, and, and that's going to hurt him. And again, he's a, he's a bulky holdover. I know he was a special teams captain, captain this past game, but I don't really read that much into that. I think it's going to be between Bourne and Bolden. And now... Bourne looked really well catching the ball as a receiver, but Bolden did a good job on the kick returns. He looked explosive. And there were a couple kicks there where I thought he was had a chance to break it. He got tripped up on one of them. But coming out of the end zone, he looks fast. And if he gets the seam, he's a guy who can make an impact. So you have to wonder, are the Niners going to keep a guy like Bourne who, barring injury, isn't really going to see the field? There's somebody like Bolden as the sixth guy who, while he may not see the field on offense, 
he can be their their top kick returner. I really believe that. So very interesting to see in, in this game and the games moving forward how that battle plays out. Yeah, I I first want to actually start with Trent Taylor because um, he was the one guy that I was like, what's what's he going to do? Because when I saw him in practice, he was he was beating everybody. Him and Marquise Goodwin were the two guys that were beating everybody, and we know what we can get from Marquise Goodwin. But Trent Taylor was kind of an unknown because. Nobody thought he was big enough or fast enough or, or anything, but the guy, he not only gets open, but he catches everything that's thrown at him. He has really good hands, operates well in space. Uh, you know, he was catching balls down the seam and catching balls underneath and turning them into big gains. So I think that they had three receptions for 33 yards. So when you're an underneath receiver, a guy who plays out of the slot and you're averaging 11 yards a catch every single time you catch the ball. So I, I, I was really pleased to see what I saw um, from him. And as far as as far as the other guys go, Kendrick Bourne is an interesting guy. He's he's got some speed. He's got route running ability. You you saw that he was able to uh, you know make it make it a nice touchdown grab um, from C.J. Beathard. But I, I really think that that uh, Victor Bolden has a lot of value as a kick returner because you know you really don't want your receivers, your starting receivers, or your your even your you know three or four receiver returning kicks because special teams are so violent. So. I think that in that sense, Victor Bolden has a lot of value and it's going to be interesting to see how they rotate those guys in because Trent Taylor's a lock to make the team. I know like mm. he's pretty much going to make the team as a receiver and punt returner, but I, I really think that it's going to be um, either Bourne or Bolden. Like you say, I, I don't think Aaron Burbridge, um, he can't return kicks, so he doesn't have that same value, whereas both Bourne and Bolden can return kicks. So I, I think it's going to be Gosh, it's too early to say. I can't. I can't put a name. I can't put a name to the number six spot. It, it definitely is tough. And yeah, I didn't want to sell. I know. I just kind of glanced over Trent Taylor's name. I don't. I don't want to sell him short because I. I thought he played really well. He sort of looked as advertised. Those catches he made over the middle and out of the slot. He's a good player. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, I don't know that he'll push Curly this year, but he's a guy that is going to be a 49er for a while and, and is going to make an impact. But I do want to ask you this, Zane, because this is something that's been on my mind now. Um, you have Aaron Lynch got banged up. DeForest Buckner is banged up. Earl Mitchell's banged up. Jimmy Ward, we know. Uh, Dante Johnson, we know. Are these injuries starting to worry you? A little bit. I think that they are. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Trent Balky drafted like 8 million safeties when he was here. And he yeah. stalked the, like just safeties and tight ends. That's it. That's, that's all the 49ers have. And, and first round <laughs> defensive linemen too. But. Uh, he he kind of left a little gift of depth, uh, if you want to call it that, the safety spot. So uh, there are a couple of other guys that could step in. Uh, you know, our friend Lorenzo Jerome, he's he's been looking pretty good in preseason and, and in practice. So he's one guy that can step into free safety. And um, another guy that was on our podcast, Adrian Colbert, he actually might be worked in at safety as well. I was reading uh, our uh, our friend Chris Biederman had, had a tweet that said that the 49ers may look to um, work in Colbert with the safeties just because of the depth. And, you know, I have to ask you, do you think that they might move Jimmy Ward back to corner and maybe put uh, one of the young guys like Colbert or Lorenzo Jerome at safety at some point? I agree with what Ryan said. Right. I think uh, Robert Sala believes that Jimmy Ward is best suited for the free safety. But if corner is that much of an issue, the only way I see that happening is if Jerome and or Colbert just blow everything out of the water this preseason and you're like wow these guys can flat out play right away but it's a lot to ask a rookie to have because that's such an important position in this defense that free safety position is so important in the style of defense it's a lot to ask a rookie to do 
Now, they may have to do it anyway because we don't know if Jimmy Ward's going to stay healthy. He's missed 13 games already in his career. He's nicked up, and these hamstrings linger. And I know he's ready to come back, but got to wait and see it on the field. Got to see if he can hold up. I know there's a lot of question marks and a lot of concerns about that. And fans will say, well, why didn't they address this? Why didn't they address free safety? Well, you can't address everything in one year. Niners had so many holes. What they did do is they got guys late in the draft and in, in, in the free agency pool and Jerome who can compete to start. I mean, when you get an undrafted free agent and he's running with the first team this early in camp, the guy's got a future. And, you know, you could talk about his speed, his closing speed and that sort of thing, but he's got a nose for the ball. He's, he's got a future and, and he, he could end up being a player for this team. But I think in the short term, you have to stick Ward back there and, and hope that it works out and hope that a Johnson or a Reezer or Witherspoon, somebody can step up on the other side of Robinson. But the cornerback position is going to be dicey this year unless they can get a, a big-time pass rush. And I was encouraged with what I saw from the front seven, the guys that were in there. I thought Solomon Thomas, like we talked about, just had a really high motor. Ruben Foster, I, I mean, I meant what I said. He, he, I didn't understand he has to play the games, but he looks the part. He has the speed of, of a Patrick Willis or pre-injury Bowman. He looks like that kind of a player. And when you can even say that, like when you can even make that comparison, you know you have a special guy on your hands. Yeah, and just just watching Ruben Foster play, just watching his highlights, just watching how he moves. He's, this guy's always around the ball. He's had several interceptions already in camp. He almost came up with another one during the, the game at Kansas City. And the, guy's, the guy has a nose for the ball. And when you have a guy playing middle linebacker that's always around the ball, good things are going to happen. He's going to force turnovers. He's going to play some, play some good coverage, pick off some passes, although he's never had a, an interception uh, his entire life, according to him. But it, it, just, it just eliminates one more question mark on a defense full of question marks. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah. going, to be, it's going to be one of those things where you know what you're going to get out of Ruben Foster. Um, and I feel like Solomon Thomas is kind of like that too, where he doesn't have like a, a a really high ceiling, but like his floor is also not too low either. Like he's, he's like, you know, you know what you're getting from Solomon Thomas. So the fact that he was able to play most of the game, he actually played the majority of the game. Uh, Ronald Blair went out with a groin injury and Solomon Thomas had to rotate back in, in the fourth quarter. And he was still making plays. Like he had a couple of um, tackles for loss when he was, uh, when he, when he stuffed the run he was pressuring the quarterback. The Rashard Robinson interception actually happened because of Solomon Thomas because he was pressuring the quarterback. So he was he was being really disruptive, and and that's what you want at your first round pick. And now it's just a matter of him doing that against the starters. Like he did what I thought you know a first round number three pick would do against backups, and he dominated them. So both of these guys, I think that they're going to take their lumps, but you're going to 49er fans are going to see what these guys are all about pretty soon. Thomas, he impressed me so much this week. And we said, you know, originally like, oh, was he worth a number three pick? When I watched his motor, when I, I watched him just not give up and, and run to the sidelines, he just, he impressed the hell out of me. He really did. And you can't teach that. I mean, that's just heart. So if the guy's got the talent that he has and that kind of heart, the Niners may really have a special player here. And, and a lot of people said that Lynch wanted to get his Warren Sapp and um, Derek Brooks when he took Foster and, and Thomas and, and maybe, Maybe the Niners do. Maybe the Niners have a couple special guys there. And when you mix in Buckner and, and Bowman and Richard Robinson, it's a nice, nice base for a good for a good defense here. So, but Zane, before we wrap this up, I did want to ask you because you mentioned this to me, and I haven't even heard the story yet. But you uh, got a chance to talk to Jed York a little bit, right? 
Yeah, I did. And it was kind of a, kind of an accident because when I was at the open practice, like I, you know, you're not going to expect to talk to the the CEO of the, of the team and the, and, uh, or John York, the, the owner of the team, you kind of just like, you're talking to your, your fellow media personnel and, and that sort of stuff. You're kind of watching practice. And I saw uh, our friend, Matt Mayoko, um, kind of just standing on the sidelines, talking to somebody. And, uh, I wanted to, wanted to thank him for being on and, and see how he's doing, see how his family was and all that stuff. So I, I walk over there, um, when he's, when he's got a second, when he's free and I start talking to him about, uh, about all this stuff and, you know, ask him how his podcast is going and, and everything. And there's, there's this guy that's beside me that's kind of tending to his kid and he's kind of like hunched over and like talking to his kid and stuff. So, um, the action on the field was, was to our left and this guy was also standing to my left and he stands up and it turns out that it's it, like, he it puts his hand up. He's like, Hey, I'm Jed York. And I'm like, are you, awesome. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like I didn't have any questions prepared. I wasn't prepared to meet him. I wasn't prepared to say anything to him. Right. Like, and then all of a sudden he puts his hand up. He's like, Hey, I'm Jed York. I'm like, Hey, Mr. York, how's it going? And he's like, no, please call me Jed. I'm like, okay, Jed. Um, so how's, you know, how are you feeling about this year? And he's like, you know, really excited about this year. It's in the future is bright. We're uh, happy to see everybody come out and show the support. And he's like, we're happy to have you uh, media guys here as well. I'm like, all right, well, thank you very much. And I kind of exited stage left because like, that's the only question I had because I wasn't prepared. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, David's going to message me after this elections with you in your pocket, wherever you go. Cause you don't know who you're going to run into. Yeah. Or, but, or just your first thing out of your mouth is going to be like, do you want to come on our show? It's gotta be the first thing out of your mouth. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> By the way, we got this podcast yeah. thing going on. So that's yeah, cool just, though. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. He, and I've heard, I, I've never met Jed, but I, I've heard all good things about, about him. And Prague Marathe is a great guy too. I told that story in an earlier podcast where I, where I met him in a press box and, and pronounced his name wrong. And he was totally cool about it. And we yeah. chatted for a while. Um, they're, you know, they're good guys. And, and I think that they want to win and, and the team's headed in the right direction. So it's an exciting time. Definitely yeah. for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And they brought in. They brought in. Um, I don't know if you heard that they brought in Jerry Rice and Steve Young at practice today. So I saw really, that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. Like Jerry was catching passes, and like he he literally he looks like he can play today. And it was it was so good to see those guys back with the team again because they're to me they're Niners for life. Yeah, they're legends, and you want those guys to be around the team. And I feel you know like with some of the coaches over the past fifteen years, not all of them. But some of them sort of pushed that history aside almost, it felt like, or at least they didn't embrace it. I don't want to say they pushed it aside. It wasn't embraced like, like it should have been. And, and that's back to being embraced again. Listen, the 49ers are, are one of the elite franchises in sports. They have some of the most notable names in the history of sports. They have arguably the two best football players in Montana and Rice. You, know, you can make that argument. Um, so it's, it's good to see those people be brought back in and be a part of the team. And, and they can help build a winning culture. So it's exciting to see it really is. But... Well, I'm again excited for this next game with the Broncos. Zane, why don't you tell the fans where they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, so you guys, you guys can follow me at at Zane Forty Niners. That's at Z A I N Forty Niners on uh, on Twitter. And uh, give me a follow. I'll give you a follow back. Ask questions, whatever you want. Feedback for the show. If you want to make fun of Al, that's cool too. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, give me a follow. And uh, if you haven't already, give Al a follow. He's uh, at Al Sacco Forty Nine. And, um, and yeah, and we're all over Twitter. We were during the games, you know, all that stuff. We, we love interacting with the fans, so it is all good. So, and we'll be doing that definitely, uh, for this next game this weekend. So thanks everyone again for joining us. Thanks to Ryan Sakamoto and we'll talk to everyone soon. Thanks. Peace.